This is the Claycomo Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Today is Sunday, July the 17th, 2022. Our pastor, Scott Gordon, continues his study in healthy habits with part four of Service in Shape. And now we send it to Pastor Scott. That's it. That's the essence of the blessing of God in our life. And by the way, to piggyback on what Jamie said last week in the heart of this song, did you hear who is to praise the Lord? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So keep that everything in mind. And if you are unwilling to sing God's praises now, I'm sorry for you. Can I be honest? To not want to sing the praises of our God goes against everything the Scripture says. There's an entire book in the Bible dedicated to worship music. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. In fact, that's the conclusion of that book. It's hallelujah. The song we sang just before, I've started a habit of walk-up music now. I don't know why. It's just a thing Uh, with that. And and that was the the shirt I had on last week uh, was a T-shirt from that concert that we went to. And it's a miracle we can breathe. It is a blessing of God. Then let everything that has breath do what? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You see, that is why we have breath. That is why we have been created to bring honor and glory to our King. Individually, certainly, He has created us personally for a relationship with Him. And equally as important, I'm tempted at times to say more important, but I've got to say at least equally as important, we are created in a relationship together to bring honor and glory to Him. We are called the church. We are called the local church. We are part of what we would consider the universal church, that church that is for all time in all places that God has established. And in doing so, He, the one who has called all of this into existence, has made the resources available for us to accomplish the calling He's given us. Part of that ministry of service as we continue in our study of healthy habits, strengthening those healthy habits for our spiritual lives individually. And if we're thinking only individually, we need to broaden our scope a little bit. There's a personal responsibility, but my personal responsibility includes a corporate activity. In other words, together with my brothers and sisters in Christ, in my church family and beyond. And so as we come to this habit of service again, we're going to open it up to Romans chapter 12. That ought to just be almost it's kind of like routine. We're in it four weeks in Romans chapter 12, just about three verses. We're going to expand that by the time we get to the end of today's message. I was also very thankful this week. Elsa gave me a heads up first and then we walked in and Lori did a fantastic job in our area. Our Bible study, our, our Sunday school lesson was 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
I'm like, man, this is old home right here. I mean, it was 12, 4 through about 14, but it deals with the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm sitting there, and as we went through that list that really begins in about verse 8 through 11, I was thankful for the fact that God said, here, you just leave that aside and go on that, because Lori had to deal with some fun gifts this morning. It was a great conversation. We had a great time. And, and it's wonderful to see the extra reminders. What I especially appreciate, I can preach something here, teach something, and somebody will say, I was listening to so-and-so on the radio teaching this very same thing this week. And I'm going, well, did you listen twice? Please, did we all listen? Or all hear it and going, okay, it's one thing to teach it. It's another thing to listen to it again and going, okay, how am I doing in applying that? Now, if you don't do that as you prepare to teach, you're already missing a step anyway, but it's a helpful reminder. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord is our worship. Our worship and our service go hand in hand. By way of recapping, we've gone through five of the seven, what I believe fit that category of motivational spiritual gifts. By way of recapping then, what were the ones we've covered before we cover the final two today? And how do we describe somebody who is primarily motivated by this gift? First of all, we see prophecy. It's right there in verse 6. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, using it according to the proportion of one's faith. Prophecy, somebody motivated in this way wants to boldly live. Boldly live out is the way I heard it growing up too. But boldly live and proclaim God's revealed truth. Next in that list is service, the word diakonia that we get deacon from. This is described as someone who wants to render practical help in the church and beyond. Teaching, the gift of teaching someone wants to discover is a very serious student and explain God's revealed truth to help others also understand. Exhortation or exhorting. Parakaleo, to call alongside, is an encouragement, one who is called alongside, and in someone who wants to encourage spiritual progress in others. And the final one we looked at last week was giving. Someone motivated this way wants to develop and distribute resources. Certainly that is an aspect of finances that we want to talk about, but the resources that God has given us is much more than just our money. It is our time, our availability, our talents as we talk about the shape that we have been given in our lives to bring honor and glory to our King. And so those resources wants to develop and distribute resources to further God's kingdom. So let's just jump straight on in as we are here in Romans chapter 12, looking into verse 8. If we see giving with generosity, other, other translations use the word that is just, oh, this is almost taboo. And this, with liberality, you don't dare say that in a conservative Baptist church. But I just love using words like that. So yeah, giving with liberality. And then we see leading with diligence, leading with diligence. And so this spiritual gift of leadership, of, of leading, of administration, of that aspect of organizing is another way to describe this word that is used here. It is a, someone who gives direction and, and guidance. 
We could describe, as we've done the other gifts, somebody motivated this way as someone who enjoys and is good at planning and equipping or organizing others in fulfilling God's ministry calling. Now, the go-to place for this in the Scripture is Nehemiah. He's the man of leadership of administration, of organizing, of directing and assembling a crew for ministry. If we were to look at that, we, we begin in Nehemiah chapter 1 with Nehemiah's story. Beginning in verse 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, during the month of Chislev in the 20th year when I was in the fortress city of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, arrived with men from Judah, and I questioned them about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. They said to me, the remnant in the province who survived the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's wall has been broken down and its gates have been burned. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of the heavens. And we see just in that introduction, this, this aspect of, of leadership, of organizing in this way, of helping to administrate the people of God in various responsibilities is born out of a heart that is broken or sees a need and is ready to fulfill a calling. It's not merely somebody who can be bossy. You know, bossiness is not a spiritual gift. Telling people where to go and to how to get there is not a spiritual gift. It is helping to facilitate. Why? Because although at times leaders can say, hey, I need you to do this so I can do this. Look at Nehemiah's example in his heart and in his action. If we continue in chapter 2, beginning in the first part there, during the month of Nisan... In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was set before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had never been sad in his presence, so the king said to me, Why do you look so sad when you aren't sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. I was overwhelmed with fear and replied to the king, May the king live forever. Why should I not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king asked me, What is your request? So I prayed to the God of heavens and he made his request known. I want to be able to help rebuild the wall to restore Jerusalem. And we know in, in the big picture, quick overview that God facilitated through the king the ability for Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem. And here's a wonderful picture of leadership. Leadership isn't telling somebody where to go and how to get there. It is saying, come with me, let's go, and we'll get there together. Because Nehemiah went all the way through, all the way, was working on the walls, was on the ladder, was there organizing in the midst of it, overseeing it all. But he was also participating in the day-to-day -day activities that were there. And not only did he give attention to the need of the moment, he also gave attention to the spiritual needs of the people. We move further down into Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning around verse 7. It says, Yeshua, Bani, uh, Sherebiah, I'm going to skip all these names, who were Levites. Sorry about that. It was just like, well, I'm going to trip over one. 
They explained the law to the people as they stood in their places. They read out of the book of the law of God, translating and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was read. That's what you call preaching and teaching right there. Listen who's doing it. Besides that list that I skipped a lot of names for. You notice the next name? Nehemiah the governor. A lot to be said about that. Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. Think about it. They hadn't heard it in a long time. We hear it if we'll open the word of God, if we will listen to the teaching that is out there. As we gather in our groups, as we gather for worship, we hear it once a week or more. They hadn't heard it read from the book in ages, years upon years. They wept, said, hey, this day's holy Lord, do, do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping as they heard the words of law. Then he said to them, go and eat what is rich, drink what is sweet, and send portions to those who have nothing prepared. There's a beauty in all of that. I, w I should probably stop and preach that, but I'm not going to. It would be a wonderful cultural moment for us to look at those words right there. Not only to rejoice, but to minister to those in need. Mm. And send portions of those who have nothing prepared, since today is holy to our God. Do not grieve. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, this gift of leadership, administration, is one that says, let me help us get the job done. Let me oversee these various areas, all the way from practical needs to spiritual needs, the gift of leadership. The last one then in our list is the spiritual gift of showing mercy. The, the gift of mercy, it says there, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Interesting reminder that is there to show mercy with cheerfulness. I think it is because those who are involved in mercy ministries can always, obviously be weighed down by the needs they encounter. And the heart that wants to reach out and to mourn with those who mourn, especially as we read here in this very passage of Scripture in Romans 12, needs to be reminded that there's a cheerfulness. There is a joy amidst the sorrow. Be reminded of that. To... Have the spiritual gift of mercy as a primary motivation, one who would show mercy towards another, compassion to show favor. We would describe somebody as providing personal, emotional support to others for the sake of God's kingdom. Someone who not only wants to walk alongside and encourage spiritual growth, but who wants to come alongside and say, it's going to be okay. God is still in control. God is here, I am here, how can I help you? The classic example from Scripture is in John the Apostle. As we begin, we find in John chapter 13, verse 23, one self-description of John that is timeless and repeated often in this gospel. We read this. 
One of his disciples, the one Jesus loved, was reclining close beside Jesus. That kind of anonymous descriptor with that relational connection point is that hallmark of somebody who appreciated the loyalty of a deep and trusted relationship, a camaraderie, a kinship that is a deep and abiding friendship and not merely an acquaintance. And so he described his relationship to Jesus by saying, I am one of his disciples, the one Jesus loved. Not the only one. Don't hear John going, Jesus loved me and he couldn't stand the rest of the guys. But he saw very clearly the love that Jesus showed him. I mean, now, unless we get the idea that mercy is weak, you know, to be a mercy type of person, you've got to kind of be kind of, you know, you know, just weak looking and uh, in this. How is John and his brother described in the gospel? Yeah, they're sons of thunder. They may have had a temper. Or they may have reacted strongly to a lot of things. But the heart of John was a heart overflowing with mercy. A strong person who understood the compassion of Christ. So much so that not only here in John 13, but we see it also in John chapter 19, 20, and 21. Four other times that he describes himself as the one whom Jesus loved. It kind of goes without saying that John took to heart this message with a heart of mercy. We read in 1 John the importance of love for God and each other that is a, a beautiful reminder. Someone who is motivated for this mercy service it might sound like this. 1 John chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. I don't know if he could say it any clearer than that. He goes on in 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. I mean, it is a, a, a beautiful picture that God sets before us in saying, in Scripture elsewhere, we hear it really plainly, as he who called you is holy, so you also are to be holy in all your conduct. John says it in a few more words. He says, God is love, and therefore we ought to love God and love one another. And puts that opportunity for us to see and that's our call all the way across the board I am thankful that he has given us within our church within our lives those among us who are focused on mercy who are focused on helping to come alongside 
to want to help emotionally. Because if I'm being honest, this area of ministry is in great need today. Now that's a service for us across the board as Christians. But to understand the need to reach out and to make a connection emotionally. We usually want to discard or we want to discount or we want to run from our feelings. And those of us who are spiritually geared towards logic and the truth and saying this is the way it's put together. Just deal with it. Let's run with it. Let's go with it. What's the problem? Need to be reminded that the totality of who we are is thinking as well as heart. And we, for far too long, in evangelical Christian circles, when it comes to dealing with struggles of the heart and the emotions and our mental health, have been way too dismissive of the serious need for this ministry among us. And so we need to be reminded of this. God gave us gifts in this way to help meet these needs so that we would be prepared to see this. Now we recognize, as we do in every aspect, that there are certain things we are called to do and other things we need extra help with. Our emotions are no different than our physical health, no different than our knowledge and our need to grow in all of these areas. And when we need the help, we need to reach out. And sometimes even those with the spiritual gift of mercy are not the automatic healers of every need. We will find that we will encounter situations where we need to take it to the next step and find somebody else who has got greater tools, a more expansive toolbox, if you will, to help with the need of the moment. That's why trauma-informed care is so important. That is why the areas of counseling and, and psychological help are not something that we as Christians should move away from, but that we should move towards when the need arises. You say, okay, Scott, thanks for chasing that rabbit. You're welcome. It's just on my heart. Because if we are fully equipped... We are here to understand the needs across the board of the moment. Do we need prophets in our day and time? Do we need to speak with a prophetic voice as Christians in our lives, in our lives of our church as we are gathered into our community around us? Absolutely, we need to speak the truth without compromise. Do we need to serve? And I could go through the entire list all the way down to do we need to show mercy? Do we need to, to give of ourselves and of our resources? Do we need to lead and to organize for these important areas of ministry? We need to do all of this. And notice I said we. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. We were called to serve. I shouldn't say were. We are called to serve. In fact, as I was reading through this, I've already, uh, I guess, confessed or admitted one of my focal uh, readings has been Rick Warren's The Purpose Driven Church. Uh, in talking about the shape of, of our lives for ministry. And he announced or kind of delves into this very truth of the biblical basis for what he calls, and I think it's a great description, every member ministry. 
every member ministering. Guess where he finds it? Romans 12. I'm glad we're already here. If we start looking at all of these aspects of spiritual gifts and we recognize that to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit, a gift of the Spirit, according to the grace given to us. And it's an us as in all, not a us as in them or some. To all of us. How do we understand these very important truths? First of all, if we have an idea that every member ministry is biblical, we see in Scripture that every believer is to be a minister. Romans 12, 1 and 2. By way of recap, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercy of God, I urge you all to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. That's every one of us. We are called. Hey, if we're all called, like we looked at in, in 1 Corinthians 12, again this morning in our Sunday schools, we looked in previous weeks in this way, every ministry is important. Look at verse 3. We usually talk about this about just pride in general, but here's, here's the picture within the context that Paul is writing. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. So in other words, there is no ministry more important than another. All ministries are equally valued by God. They all serve different purposes, but they all had the same goal. The furthering of God's kingdom, the absolute focus on bringing glory to God and to God alone. Every ministry is important. Then we see we are dependent on each other. It's why we have, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. Oops, I jumped a few. That also applies, but let me back up to the verse I was looking for. It's tough when you move from notes to the actual printed page, the older you get. Anyway, uh, now verse 4. Now as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, and we go, yeah, I get that. Just look at me. I think I've got hands, feet, knees, toes, and I'm not going to sing the rest of the song. <clears throat> In the same way, as we all have our bodies and we recognize how they work, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We, we need each other. We're dependent on each other. And finally, as we think about every member ministry and, and the biblical picture of it, ministry is the expression of my shape. I won't reread six through eight. That's what we've been focused on for the last four Sundays, including this one. These aspects of our shape, according to the grace that is given to us, we have different gifts, prophecy, and so forth. We have various ministries that come about in our lives, and because of those gifts, those ministries, we see so many wonderful actions or activities or results as well. Now the question comes, as we think about this picture, we've thought about the context, we've set all of those aspects up. The question then is, how do I find my spot? How do I find where I fit? 
As Lori talked about this morning, we put a puzzle together. What piece am I? What part do I need? Because every part in the puzzle is necessary. The puzzle just doesn't work. You can't finish it. You've got to have all the parts to come together. Where can I serve? Where can I start asking the questions? Where can I look? Who can I talk to? Talk to our ministry team leaders. Talk to me. Talk to Jamie. Talk to us again within the context. We have opportunities in the youth ministry, within areas serving children, uh, in children's worship, and in our team kid activities. There's opportunities to serve other groups that aren't organized ministries, but would be a blessing and a service to others. Within our Clay Como Seniors Group that meets on a regular basis to be a part of or an encourager towards that end of those aspects of what we need in our lives to be able to, to visit those who just need someone to come by and say hi and how's it going or call on the phone or to have that opportunity that is there. There are those organized ministries that are a part of our structure and if they're not, we can uh, look towards going that direction. And then there's just day-to-day -day ministry that is a part of living together as Christians that doesn't need us to wait to organize a structure for it to happen. It just needs to happen that we would care for and to encourage each other. You do know that it is perfectly okay for groups within this body of Christ to get together and say, hey, let's have a prayer time together once a week without having to okay it through the church office. It's okay to call somebody up and say, man, you should see what I was reading in my Bible study this morning. Do you got time for me to tell you about it? And right there, have a devotional. And you don't have to check in to get that done. You know, even if you can't sing a solo by yourself, it's okay to sing driving down the street in your car, and if you've got your friends with you, to make that a worship ensemble. And you don't have to check in to get it done. I appreciate the structure that we have and the needs that we have and the way we are organized for ministry. But sometimes we wait for a structure when God has already called us to a service. And we need to be mindful that the early church was very much geared that way. It was the need. Then we organized and then we kept going. We need to find ourselves, because I'll be honest, in this day and time in which we now live, after these last two years of absolute, I don't know where, what's going when, from pandemic to other stuff, and that was another area I was tempted to pray about, and we may as we conclude today. The fact of needing that peace, needing to breathe, to be able to praise God, when we look at this world in which we live and the chaos and the frustration and the anger and the animosity and the hate and all that is going on, the injustice that is taking place, all of that, that seems to keep ratcheting up and it sometimes you want to go, can we just hit the pause button for a minute? All of that that is going on and if it continues to increase is not going to wait for us to organize. It is waiting for us and ready for us to serve. Do we need organization? Absolutely. That's why there's the gift of administration mentioned here. Leadership. And we need to pray. If we're thinking about spiritual strength for our church in this day and time, what does that look like? 
What does the structure of that look like? What, what does the organization of that look like? Oops, sorry. Tried to get to here and I came through the microphone instead. That's supposed to be out of the way so you don't do stuff like that like I normally would if it was on the shirt. We're living in a day and time when doing church to suit our needs may not meet the needs of those around us. And a healthy perspective is not to say, and I am never an advocate for, let's just blow it up because it sounds like something fun to do. Let's just get rid of it because we don't like it or whatever. But a healthy look at, God, where is the need and how do we position ourselves as your church to meet the need, and not just a temporal need, but those needs Jesus met as he walked with his disciples, what? With the goal of bringing others into the kingdom to understand the salvation only he can provide. But every bit of it had us focus this direction. That's why I've wanted to be in this series. That's why I wanted to call us at this point to start thinking in our service, not just how do we meet our needs for us, but how do we strengthen ourselves to meet the needs of others around us. And isn't that the calling that God has given us? If everything can be summed up in two parts of the great commandment, then everything we do ought to be motivated by those two things. What is that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. The second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two things... Hinge all the law and the prophets. All of the truth of God's word is summed up there. And even the loving God in loving your neighbor as yourself is the motivation for the great commission, which is one of the greatest callings we've been given, to go into all the world and make disciples. So I want to ask you to join me, not only as we wrap up today, but as we look forward to the future, to begin asking God, how can we serve for the glory of your name and the sake of your kingdom. That's where I believe we need to be. And whether it looks like, and I know this would be extreme, needing to sit out under a tree on a Sunday morning to get others passing by to go, what is going on? And they come in and see versus to hide out behind walls. Maybe we need to be open to that. I'm not saying that's a plan. But where are we? as a church, in our heart of service. And the question is, are we really ready, as Isaiah said, when the call goes out? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Are we ready with unified voice? Not just to say, here am I. That was the easy one for us. Oh, yeah, here am I. Here we are, Lord. Send us.